0: Shall we humble our hearts in a word of prayer? (coughs) Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for this beautiful spring morning. Thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. Thank you for that knowledge in our hearts that there is an importance to looking into your word, into fellowship. We thank you most importantly this morning For that Savior, for that Christ that you provided, for that salvation that you accomplished. We ask this morning that your Spirit would be in our midst, that it would open this word to us, that we could be renewed, and that it could be made new and fresh, and that we could understand the love that you have for us, and that we could see how you, through your love, provided all that is necessary. We ask that you would be with all those this morning who cannot gather around your word, that you could encourage them, and that their hearts could come to that understanding that there is a Savior, and that the trials of this life... That they are temporary and that you could turn hearts and minds to those matters of eternity, to salvation, and that you could put that knowledge of the goodness that you have provided for all of mankind into their hearts and into their minds. We ask that you would be so gracious that we could have leaders who would give us the ability and opportunity and freedom to gather around your word in openness? We ask that you would lead and guide them, that they could bring honor to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who's taught us to pray Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. May we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We understand that it's what we call Good Friday, and it is the day that we know and remember when Christ was crucified morning, it was interesting finding a text, and what seems to be on my heart is, I will look into Mark, into the 14th and 15th chapters, and I will do more reading than I really want to, but it seemed that we would read this story that takes place. Before, I guess if we say before the Passover, and then I will turn to Isaiah to the 53rd chapter and God willing we will look at what is recorded there that, if I say, gives us more insight into what was being accomplished in these events that are recorded here for us in Mark. It is interesting that this is recorded in Mark, is recorded as they happen. What's recorded in Isaiah was recorded, I'm not even sure, but several hundred years before the occurrence, and yet it gives in much more detail what exactly was being accomplished by God for us as his children, and not just for us, but it was accomplished for everyone. With that thought in mind, I will read here these two chapters, they are quite long, I hope that you will bear with me. It says after two days was the feast of the Passover and of an unleavened bread, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves, and said, Why was this waste appointment made? For it might have been sold for more than three hundred pence, and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a great work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whenever ye will, ye may do them, do good, do them good. But me ye have not always... She hath done what she could, she is more. She came aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how they might conveniently betray him. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go, and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sent forth two of his disciples, and said unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I might eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared, there make ready for, there made ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city, and found as he said, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening he came with the twelve, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful, And say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth, as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good work for that man if he had never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread, and blessed, and brake it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it in new, in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all should be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, That this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also, said they all. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed, that if it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee, take away this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest he enter into temptation. The Spirit is truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words, and when he returned he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh a third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest, it is enough, the hour is come. Behold the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners, rise up, let us go, lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately, while he yet spake, there cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him, and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword And smote the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. And Jesus answering, and saith unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple, teaching, and you took me not, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And they all forsook him, and fled. And there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young man laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth, and fled from them naked. And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled the chief priests, and elders, and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even unto the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants, and warmed himself by the fire. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus, to put him to death, and found none. For many bear wit- false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. And there arose a certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, "I will destroy this temple that it that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands." And neither did their witness agree to, but neither did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, "Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee?" But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said unto him, "Art thou Christ, the Son of the Blessed?" And Jesus said, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy, what think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, Prophesy. And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. And as, Jesus, and as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he desired, denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again, and a little after, that, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. And straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes, and the whole council, and bound Jesus, and carried him away, and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered unto him, saying, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. And now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude cried aloud, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people that he should gather, that they, he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said unto them, What will ye that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried, One out, again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band, and they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with a reed, and did spit on him, and bowed their knees, worshiping, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him, and put on his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one, Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not." And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days. Save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mock, mocking said among themselves with the scribes. He saveth others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they, and they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar, and put it on a reed, and gave him to drink, saying... Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come and take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, it said, Truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, the less, and of Josias and Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women, which came up with him unto Jerusalem. And now when the evening was come, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honest, honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate, and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled, if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he bought fine linen, and took him down, and wrapped him in the linen, and laid him in the sepulcher, which was hewn out of the rock, and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of Joseus beheld where he was laid
1: there we have
0: the account of what happened that we are if I say commemorating today and we could take that and I'm sure we could probably take different portions of that scripture and if we looked into it we could have many perhaps a year of of sermons about all is in there. And I would hope that all of us would take occasions to just read those things. And even if some of it, we would hope and pray that God would open it, that the Spirit would open those things to our hearts, And yet it is even good to remember what it was that occurred at Easter that we commemorate. Even the natural things. And then as I said when I started, we will turn to Isaiah. And we will look into these things because, as I'm sure all of us understand, that there was a lot more that was going on and we can thank God that there was a lot more going on that wasn't visible necessarily to the natural eye and that was not something that probably many of the people did not even understand and even the disciples even though Jesus had laid out for them they didn't necessarily understand what was God was accomplishing
1: yeah, yeah.
0: We'll turn and basically I'll read the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, but I'll read the last three verses of the 52nd chapter also. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred, more than any man and his form, more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations, and kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which hath not been told them shall they see, and that which they shall, they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report, and to unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him, a, t- a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. All we is like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt <coughs> excuse me, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him as a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made in. Intercession for the transgressors. Amen. This portion in Isaiah, it explains to us, and I would hope that there would be many more, even who are not perhaps, would call themselves Christians at this point, that would come to understand That what Jesus that we read there in Mark, those occurrences that were going on in the natural sense and that is recorded, that people saw and could see with their eyes and did, if I say, that it was ordained of God and that we know that it was not God's, desire if I say it that he would be betrayed Jesus said it would be better that Judas was not born and yet God used man's sinful nature to accomplish his good it is a thing that is I guess doesn't make much sense to our natural reasoning or maybe just to mine we, my mind would say that God uses the good people to accomplish his will and those that are against and not don't even believe in him, that they are just doing things that is, if you say, messing up God's plan. And yet we see just from this story, and there's many others in the Bible we could go through and name Pharaoh and, and many others, that them doing their own thing, they were still accomplishing what God wants accomplished. And as His children, we can trust that it doesn't matter how people would try to sidetrack God's will. We know that people are against what God would want accomplished. But even in doing those things, God uses for good. And this that we read here, I believe we could probably safely say is the greatest example of that. And and if we just looked at the natural and there are things I've heard people say that what he suffered, you know, was at the hands of the, the soldiers and on the cross. And yes, I'm sure he did suffer. I read just some place the other day, and it was just a short thing, and it said, and Jesus hungered. And I mentioned it last week, how just that s- small statement gives us to understand that... <coughs> Jesus felt the same as we do. And so those things that he suffered on the cross and with the whippings, it wasn't something that was trivial. And yet the amazing thing is that compared to what he suffered in the spiritual sense, it was trivial. And I think Just that thought, what we need to do with it, is take that and realize that the things that we have to deal with here in this life, yes, they can cause us stress, they can cause us grief, but in reality they are trivial compared to matters of faith. And even in the worst times in our life here, physically I'm speaking, If we can, in our heart, believe that we are a child of God, then we have much to be thankful for. And when we are speaking with someone who is having trials in this life, I'm sure many of us can relate to that fact that if that, and I will say friend, will Speak about someone who is a friend of ours. We have care for them. But how much easier it is to comfort someone if they have <clears throat> that Spirit of God dwelling in the heart already. And and if they know that even if worst case scenario in this life someone is passes and leaves this world. In reality, they know, and we know, that they have gained the victory. And it is so much easier to encourage someone who has that Spirit of God, because even if life is weighing extremely heavy on them, they still have that most precious thing to be thankful for. <clears throat> And it is because of that that we commemorate and remember and even gather this morning on Good Friday. <clears throat> it isn't that we celebrate that they took and um, crucified Jesus and that they whipped him and, and did all these horrible things to him. We don't celebrate that. And, and in reading that in Mark there, I think we would have to look into those things in more detail. Otherwise, someone who's not a Christian would wonder, why on earth would you take time on Good Friday to to look at these things? And yet, when we look in this part here in Isaiah, and much of it, we could almost say it is God speaking through Isaiah, Laying out for Isaiah that many years, even before these things occurred. So that Isaiah and those who would read it afterwards that are led by the Spirit could understand. That yes, what God accomplished in that account that I read there in Mark. Through the killing of his son. What was being accomplished is something for us to celebrate and be thankful for. And we see there that it says that he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at his visage, was astonished astonished at thee. His visage was so marred, more than any man in his form, more than the sons of men. I have been told, and from sources that I would say are good, that in reality, being crucified is one of the most horrible deaths that a person can have. It is extremely slow and excruciating. And it's interesting that we understand that they put these men on the cross on the Thursday and it was then that that evening that Joseph went to see and Pilate says he was surprised this isn't what it says but basically Pilate was surprised to hear that he was dead already and had to check if that was actually true and it gives us to see that the truth of the statement where it says that Jesus said that nobody can take my life, that I laid it down. They didn't have the ability to actually kill him. He gave up his life of his own accord. And he did it for you and for me. And it says that he was marred more than any man. He died a horrible natural death. And yet says it that he sprinkled many nations. We speak often of the sprinkling of the blood of Christ, that it covers the sin. And he didn't do it just for those that nation of Israel. He did it for, as it says here, many nations. It is for us also. And we can trust that. And we can, if I say, put our hope and our faith and our complete confidence in the fact that when he was killed on the cross, what he accomplished was for me, it was for you, and it was enough for God. Isaiah writes, who has, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? There is many, and we see it today, that don't believe that this even happened. And if they believe that, yes, this was an occurrence, that they don't believe that it has any merit in their life for their heart. It says to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed.
1: If we are one of the most fortunate people that what God
0: has accomplished here in this account that I read there was for me. If we can understand that. If we are given faith to believe that. We are people most blessed. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it can give a peace. We speak of having the peace of a good conscience. That passeth natural understanding. It's a wonderful thing. And we understand That it isn't in our ability to reveal that to someone. If we are speaking to someone of that, and I will just say the gospel message, and they are able to receive it and believe it, we understand that isn't our doing. It is God that reveals that. Yes, it says faith cometh by hearing. But it says hearing comes by the word of God. Who is the word of God? Christ. That spirit of God. Will reveal to a heart. That is why it says. Where two or three are gathered. In my name. There am I in the midst. When we speak that word. We would do it through the power of the Spirit of God, that it could enter into a heart and that it could be worked there. That what God accomplished on that cross could be revealed to that heart. And that that heart could come to understand and know and put their faith in that message. And trust that that blood that was shed on the cross for their sin also. It says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. We know, and we've read, I'm sure, all of us, the Christmas story. He came just as a little baby into this world, just like all other mankind. He was born and he didn't even come into this world in any kind of pomp or ceremony. He was born in a manger. It says as a root out of dry ground. It, it wasn't even something that we would naturally think of as being where a king would come to be born. I think it is something that even today... As a Christian, and I can see how people who don't believe struggle with this. We, we tell and we know that God is omnipotent. He had, has had the power to create this world, create this universe, create mankind. And as people with science look deeper and deeper and into more tiny details of life and cells and all these things, we come to recognize that it's an absolutely marvelous creation and people can do their best to try to deny that and say that it happened on accident and yet when they look into it, it gets more and more ridiculous. And we're supposed to believe that he has the power to do this, And yet, when he came to this world, he came so subtly that very few even knew it. A few shepherds, and he was born in a manger. And I think even today, we as people want to look for something more wonderful and miraculous. And I struggle at times... I wish, if I say God spoke a little louder, or maybe a little more forceful, we read in, Isaiah, in um, the Old Testament there, Elijah, and he had these miraculous happenings of powerful wind and fire and earthquake, but yet when God came and spoke, it was a still, small voice. And it is why I believe that we would pray and desire that we would have Attentive ears and attentive hearts, so that we would hear that still small voice. It says, He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He didn't come as someone spectacular. He wasn't something that naturally, because of his physical appearance, drew people. We know that there is people that people are drawn to and sometimes it's because well we can look at King Saul. It says that he was a goodly man and stood a head and shoulders above most of the other people and he was someone that just naturally people looked up to. That isn't how Jesus was. And I don't think that there is anything in living faith that appeals to flesh even today. And it is why I am troubled at some of these, if I say churches, that they want to draw people using things that appeal to the flesh. It doesn't appear from what this says here and from what we have read in the Bible that that's how Jesus worked. And I don't think he's changed how he works. It says God the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus isn't interested in appealing to our natural flesh. He's interested in the heart and the soul. Those portions that are undying, that aren't going to end when life ends here in this world, that will carry on forever. And then we find a miraculous thing that happens. When the spirit starts working in a heart... All of a sudden, there is something that is very appealing and very drawing about that Christ child. And even today, there's something that is very appealing and very drawing of that message of what is accomplished for our hearts and for our undying portion. It isn't something that we find great joy in someone being crucified But as Christians, we understand what was being accomplished. And I would hope that that would bring joy to our heart. Because our salvation was being accomplished. We see here how he is, if I say, how he was received by human nature. It says he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. I guess this tells us a number of things. One, says he was a man acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrows. He understands the troubles that we have. The things in our life that cause us grief and sorrow, whether it's occurrences or just having to deal with our own human nature, Jesus knows those things. And He's there at the right hand of God, as it says, making intercession for us, caring for us in the most intimate detail. And that is often, I think, the problem of what we have is we as people, we look in the here and now and, and think, well, this would be the best that this would happen. I'm sure those disciples sitting there or being there when he was taken and taken and put on trial and scourged and then ultimately crucified, that did not appear in any way the best thing that should have happened. It looked completely counterproductive to what they thought was going to happen. They were looking for him to set up his kingdom. They were looking with their natural eyes. And I think too often we today, we look at things and we think, well, this is what will we, would be best. And then God does something else and it seems completely Counterproductive to what it is that we would want to accomplish or what we would think best. And yet we have the benefit of time and history to see that He rose again from the dead and our salvation was accomplished. And His blood was shed to cover our sin. And it was the most wonderful thing that could have been done for us. And I would hope that we could take that knowledge when we look at our day-to-day problems and they're not turning out the way we would want them to turn out. And we could think about that crucifixion and what was accomplished there. And it could give us hope and faith to trust, yes, in spite of me not understanding this, God cares. And he is accomplishing good with it. We can trust that. And I pray that God would give us faith to rest in those, that knowledge. <clears throat> it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. If we look at what happened there that I read in Mark, it it looks like he was God, well, even Christ says, why have you turned your back on me? I'm sure to the people there it looked like that. To his disciples especially. Who believed that he was the son of God. And that question, God, why have you turned your back on him? It says he was wounded for our transgressions. Now we begin to see here what God was doing. We go back to the beginning of the Bible. We read about Adam and Eve. God created them, made them living souls, and gave them one rule. They shouldn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We, and bear with my analogy, it's true, but we have the benefit of the law of Moses and all those things that are laid out in there. I've I heard the numbers and somebody has counted them and I have no idea right at the moment off the top of my head how many, if I put it, rules that were laid out for them. Adam and Eve couldn't do, accomplish one and were to live perfectly. God says that's all he requires of us as people is that we would be perfect. Adam and Eve, they weren't able to do it with one and were required to do it with all these things. And when the Spirit reveals to a heart that truth, unless that knowledge that of what was accomplished here on the cross is Brought into that heart, also, it's a hopeless situation. And when the Spirit reveals what we are, it becomes more and more hopeless. And it is why we, as Christians, are encouraged to sh- encourage to share the gospel message, the good news of what Christ accomplished. And here it is, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. That is what was being accomplished there when those soldiers scourged him. When he was wounded and hung on the cross. It was because he became sin for us. He took our punishment. It is a marvelous thing in reality. We can look at all the religions in the world. And every single one of them outside of Christianity, it's basically you do good and you try to do more good than evil, that you would have the favor of the God or whatever they call it. Often it's just some power or the universe or whatever. We sitting here this morning have that privilege of reading this here and knowing that yes, we have a God that requires perfection. Yes, we fall far short of it. But in spite of that, he loves us so much that he sent his son to walk and do all those things perfectly then take our sin on himself and pay for it it's his life it says that he was the firstborn from the dead and even that statement I think is something that we need to look carefully at we know that Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. We can go in the Old Testament. And I think of the story of even the man that they threw in on top of Elisha's bones. And when he touched those bones, he came back to life. What is it speaking about when Christ, since he came back, he was the firstborn from the dead? It is something that is beyond my natural reasoning, but he took the death, that spiritual death that was ours to die because we are so sinful. And he took that on himself. But because he was perfect, it says death and hell could not hold him. And we will look into that even... Sunday when we read God willing that he rose from the dead and all these things that he suffered it said that we could be healed he did it for us those things that happened they were not pretty they were not wonderful but spiritually what was happening for us was miraculous and wonderful and the amazing thing is says here we all we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned every one to his own ways and the lord hath laid hath laid on him the iniquity of us all we were sinners by birth the sin that adam and eve fell into came upon us just because we were born people And it did that to everyone. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. I've had a little bit of dealings with sheep and they're amazing creatures. I've seen a video of them jumping to their death and they just kept going one after another. And we read those things. And if we've dealt with them, they can be extremely frustrating and helpless creatures. And yet the Bible very, if I say correctly, likens us to sheep. It's not a very underogatory likeness, but it's how we are. And me thinking about it it gives me a slight glimpse of the why we are needed to be taught patience and why patience is encouraged in us. Dealing with other animals that aren't as bad as sheep, I can get frustrated and angry at them very quickly, and sheep are even worse. And yet we have a God who deals patiently with us. Yes, it tells us that his patience runs out, And it is something that his wrath and judgment is something that we need to be aware of and not, I guess, do things that we would make him angry But in reality, he is extremely patient with us and loving. And even what we read today gives us to understand how loving he is. He put all these things... That we deserved on his son, that we could be free, that we could claim his righteousness for ourselves. And he did it all as it says He opened not He was oppressed, He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and is asleep before her shears, is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. We read all those things happening there in Mark. He just went and accepted what was his to take for us. He didn't complain. He had the power to if I say counter all that those people said, he didn't. He just took our sin and accepted it. Said, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. It wasn't because he deserved it. We deserved his punishment. And yet he took it for us. And that is why we commemorate and celebrate even on, we call it, Good Friday. If we look at it with our natural mind, it makes no sense. Our Savior was killed brutally. Why would we call it good? Because we have the privilege of these pieces of Scripture and the Spirit of God revealing to our hearts what was being accomplished for our good.
1: It was for the good
0: of mankind. It says here <clears throat> Um, sorry, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou hast made him a soul offering for sin. He shall see his seed, for he shall prolong his days and the and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. God was satisfied with the sacrifice that Christ was. And we should be satisfied too. It is enough. Let us put our faith in that.
1: Let us give our thanks to God for that.
0: And let us rest in peace because of that. And yes, we as Christians, we can, with great truth and hope and comfort, call it Good Friday because of the good that was accomplished for us. And yes, we can read those things that happened. And I'm sure that if we read them with understanding of what was truly happening, it can bring sorrow. I'm sure we can sympathize with the natural trauma that was going on, and partially our spirit can understand, if I say the great trauma that was going on spiritually, if any of us has went and the spirit has pricked our conscience, about something we've done and we've wrestled with that sin for any period of time, we get a little tiny glimpse of what Christ took on himself. He didn't just take that sin. He took all the sins that I have done and that you have done and that everyone has done from Adam to the end of time. He took all that and paid for it. That we could be free of that. That we can walk freely. And... Have light hearts. What a message. I would pray that God would give us that we could share that with others. The devil would want to squelch it and quiet it with, from his perspective, good reason. But we as people, as Christians, if we have an opportunity, I would pray that God would give us hearts that would be quick to share that message of what Christ and what God has done for me. It says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. And just those couple sentences we see what was being accomplished in that whole occurrence that I read there in, in Mark. He was numbered with those transgressors. And he took our sin. That we could be free. He says he made intercession for the transgressors. We are the transgressors. If we are human beings, we are the transgressors. Christ has paid for that. Glory be to God. May he add his blessing. In Jesus' name, Amen we humble our hearts and receive the benediction. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There will be service Sunday morning at 1030 also. and. I think we can just leave the chairs and the books. We don't need to put anything away. Should we call it the
1: 59? Yeah, there won't be Paul Lux. You, no, There's no, Paul Lux, Thank you.